Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another Wednesday evening where we have the opportunity each and every Wednesday to reflect upon the life and thought of one Pope Francis. And as we do each and every Wednesday, uh, we have a dialogue, and I dialogue with Bob Cross. So, Bob, it is great to have you with me another Wednesday evening. Thank you, Joe. Great to be here. So, Bob, we uh, had a pretty quiet week on the Pope Francis front, pretty much up to about 3 o'clock this afternoon, <laughs> okay, where there, uh, the news broke that there was the uh, reform of the Vatican Bank. Um, I didn't really prepare something or really reflect upon uh, what was going on there enough to bring it to the radio uh, tonight. And so what I plan on doing is going there next week. We will talk about um, all that concerns of the Vatican Bank next week uh, and do so with, as we do from week to week, with the document in mind. Um, but that being said, because it was for the most part up to three o'clock this afternoon, a quiet week, I thought we could re-engage uh, this topic of Pope Francis and Vatican II. Uh, some of this comes out from previous conversations that I've had over this past week. A lot of people want to talk about Pope Francis, Bob, and I know we've talked about it a lot, but my goodness. And most recently, it was the Second Vatican Council. You know, it, it's interesting. It was said by some cardinals before the conclave, and the conclave is, is that event, that process in which the Church elects the next Pope, that the next man we will call Holy Father will have the principal role of carrying the torch of the spirit of Vatican II and its outgrowth of the new evangelization into its essential stage of bringing it into every diocese throughout the world. And by outgrowth, what I intend to mean, Bob, is that uh, Vatican II, the new evangelization, is about this universal call to holiness and how even within Vatican II, we had this shift from Latin, okay, from the Mass was always in Latin, as many of us know, uh, to English, and how really it was symbolic of the Church's renewed efforts of putting the language of faith in a vernacular or language that is more comprehensible. One of the salient pieces for us, Bob, over the past four or five months, as we've talked about the new evangelization, is to really distill it in that one phrase, making incomprehensible, comprehensible, the way in which Jesus did. The, uh, the whole reason that the priest was turned around to face the congregation, and in English, was to, yeah, for, to make it more comprehensible, to, to allow for the, uh, you know, the, the, the church to actually be a participant, more, rather than an observant. I mean, it, it became more interactive, and um, you know, I know that there was there was much, uh, you know, chagrin and mm -hmm. a lot of hand wringing over this when it first took place because everybody thought, oh my gosh, what's going on with the church? But it it really was about making the church more people friendly, mm -hmm. more user friendly, without betraying the the church's call to witness to truth. Right. You know, and certainly Benedict the Sixteenth made a point to really reinvigorate. The, the Latin Mass within each and every diocese to really encourage 
um, us to go to Latin Mass so that we might experience uh, that beautiful language of Latin and, and enter into uh, the language of the Church. But certainly it was necessary and very much symbolic of what the Church is about. It's not betraying its, its core message. It's not betraying its uh, core discipline to witness to truth. It's actually insane. How can we better witness to truth? We have said often that the new evangelization is about the encounter. Right? It's very difficult to have an encounter with, with, with something or someone if we do not understand what they are saying. Uh, so, all oh, that being said, who does the Holy Spirit elect? One Cardinal Bergoglio, who, of course, Bob, we know now as Pope Francis. You know, many have asked since then, as it relates to Vatican II and the new evangelization, what would he bring? Well, to some degree, Bob, uh, based upon what we have talked about, we are discovering what he brings from one week to the next. And what he brings, Bob, is the full bloom to what lies at the heart of it all. And that is a deeper understanding of that great phrase that was first coined by John the 23rd, who we now know, of course, as St. John the 23rd, in the initial stages of Vatican II, when he said, the church is the church of the poor, right? If that was the seed planted in so far as renewing the church, we have a man who is going to bring the full bloom of that seed, if you will. So the topic of the church and poverty certainly found its way into the documents of Vatican II with the important intervention, interestingly, of one Cardinal Lucharo. This is, many historians talk about his important role in Vatican II as it relates to his um, propensity to be constant in wanting this topic of poverty to be a part of each and every document. So certainly it, it was highlighted by one very famous excerpt from the great constitution of the Church, Lumen Gentium. And if we can read just um, just a short, you know, brief uh, paragraph or, or two from it, it, it goes like this. The Church in Poverty, back to center stage. It's the Constitution on the Church has this to say on the matter. Jesus as Christ carried out the work of redemption in poverty and oppression. So the Church is called to follow the same path. Christ was sent by the Father to bring good news to the poor, to heal the contrite of heart, to seek and save what was lost. Similarly, the church encompasses with her love all those who are afflicted by human misery, and she recognizes in those who are poor and who suffer the image of her poor and suffering founder. She does all in her power to relieve their need, and in them she strives to serve Christ. Amen. You know, Bob, as we talk about Pope Francis taking the torch from Benedict and John Paul II, it would be really important to talk about John Paul II, because John Paul II really is the one who is the father to the new evangelization. So, well, what does he have to say about poverty? Well, that was the topic of my dissertation. So I'm going to exhale a little bit and say, well, I'm going to talk about so much. But I did want to highlight uh, one homily he gave, and it was on uh, the heels of a Wednesday audience after uh, the bishops had gathered to talk about the role and state of religious life, and this is what he says. The Church feels ever more strongly the impulse of the Spirit to be poor among the poor, to remind everyone of the need to conform to the ideal of poverty preached and practiced by Christ, 
and to imitate him in his sincere and active love for the poor. So that's St. John Paul II. He's taking this theme of poverty and he's integrating it deeper into the, the mind and heart of the church. He gives us the wonderful exhortation on religious life, Vita Consecrata, which in the Latin literally means consecrated life. And what is really striking about that document, Bob, as we're talking about Vatican II and the New Evangelization, there is no one document that John Paul II talked more about New Evangelization than he did in Vita Consecrata. So what he is implicitly telling us is the need to see the New Evangelization united to this topic of poverty. Uh, it is no wonder uh, that we have the man we have today and Pope Francis leading the church into uh, the next age of the new evangelization. Um, widely important. I think, in fact, he used the phrase new evangelization uh, up to 15 times, up to 15 times. So no question, we see it being developed, but without question, <laughs> it is, as we've talked about it before, Bob, the bishop of the slums, one Pope Francis that exhales a new breath of poverty into the church as it relates to the new evangelization. When Christ walked this earth, he performed many miracles. He evangelized, Bob, many souls. He taught many people. He did many things. If there was one constant among all of these people, it was the poor. You cannot talk about evangelization and relegate poverty to any kind of substandard. In fact, you put those on the margins first. The church is of the poor and for the poor because it is God himself who became poor and lives among the poor through the ages. To the least you do unto my brethren, you do it unto me, right? Matthew 25, 40. So poverty has to be at the center of it. It has to be at the center of it. And as, as the church has always been about the poor, you think about, you know, Pope Francis, and as you stated, the, you know, the, the Bishop of the Slums, the, the working with the poor and with the poorest of the poor, um, that it's easy to see how he puts the gospel right up front and center and the joy of the gospel because of what you're saying, that, that Christ, and we're called to imitate Christ, was about the poor. He was born as a slave. He wasn't born as some mighty warrior as the rest of all of Israel was hoping for. He was born as a slave mm -hmm. and overcame that to establish the church through the poor, with the poor, and all about the poor, mm -hmm. which is the exact opposite of what anybody would have ever envisioned that would happen. Yeah. It's really interesting. What is almost the hidden kernel truth of all this? When you are spending more time with the poor, you are freed and liberated from all the burdens of the world because you can begin to appreciate all that which so many people go through just to put food on their table or just to eat something for dinner, to, to find a place to sleep. When you spend time with them, your perspective on life begins to change. So many missionaries have talked about this. And, and when I've been honored to take a mission or two and experience a more personal encounter with those who um, are living in third world poverty is such a generic phrase. I never, I've, I've never really liked it. Those who are the poorest of the poor, it opens up your heart uh, in a way that we, we can never imagine. Uh, 
Um, and this is the power behind spending time with the poor. And this is why Pope Francis has made it uh, such an emphasis. Again, I mean, think about it. Christ was born in poverty. He lived in greater poverty. And he died in extreme poverty. He became poor Bob, that we might become rich. We turn over everything to God, that God might be able to turn our lives upside down. That is what it's about. When we engage this and when, when we can begin to understand and appreciate this, Bob, what begins to happen is our attitude of faith begins to change. We have a new disposition. This is what I was talking about as far as like perspective on life, right? And now we are more ready to serve God. When you think about it, um, when we talk about consumerism and, and, and Pope Francis and some of the, you know, his exhortation, he's, he's talked about materialism and you know, how much of the world is caught up in this, in this, this, this manner of trying to get ahead. And mm-hmm. When you think about it, and all of us, and we're so fortunate in this, in this country, in the United States, to, to not have to worry as much as they do in other, in other countries about just what we're going to eat for our next meal. Now, um, there's many that are very, very poor in this country too, but until you really actually get into involved with that, that, that environment or that, that situation, it's really difficult to really figure out or to, 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 to understand that we take too much for granted, that we, we, we get caught up in our stress and we're worried mm-hmm. about you know, how we're going to get the, you know, our new car or how we're going to be able to pay for some new furniture. And all of that becomes irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Once you stop to slow down and deal with somebody who's just worried about how they're going to eat. Yeah. You know, and what lies at the heart of it all, I'm just looking at paragraph 69, Bob, the paragraph that we're going to be going through tonight. He uses this word, and I love it. I just love this. He says, in the case of the popular cultures of, of Catholic peoples, we can see deficiencies which need to be healed by the gospel. And his first deficiency is machismo. <laughs> I love it. You know, this, this bravado, this, this, this pride. Um, yeah, to, to really get at the heart of it, it's that wonderful line from Archbishop Fulton Sheen, to be, to be self-sufficient is to be efficiently selfless. Right? Right. <laughs> With that, Bob, maybe we can jump into paragraph uh, 69. Paragraph 69. It is imperative to evangelize cultures in order to enculturate the gospel. In countries of Catholic tradition, this means encouraging fostering, and reinforcing a richness which already exists. In countries of other religious traditions or profoundly secularized countries, it will mean sparking new processes for evangelizing culture, even though these will demand long-term planning. We must keep in mind, however, that we are constantly being called to grow. Each culture and social group needs purification and growth. In the case of the popular cultures of Catholic peoples, we see deficiencies which need to be healed by the gospel. Machismo, alcoholism, domestic violence, low mass attendance, fatalistic or superstitious notions which lead to sorcery, and the like. Popular piety itself can be the starting point for healing and liberation from these deficiencies. Mm. You know, when you read that paragraph, um, it is easy to be, dare I say, critical of it, Bob. You yeah. uh, and I were talking about this before the program because he doesn't spell out a game plan. <laughs> you know, he doesn't offer us a playbook per se. He just kind of hands it to us and says, this is what you need to do. Well, what does he say in the opening of the exhortation? 
this isn't a manual for the new evangelization per se, as much as it's a much, it's just much broader look. It's a bird's eye view. And it's, it's well, an exhortation. This is what you need to do. And he has told the bishops, actually, I say he, well, he has, but also Benedict XVI, in the last set of visits that all the bishops made in the United States of America to uh, Pope Benedict XVI, there were two exhortations he gave them, two challenges. The first was, uh, strengthen your marriage prep programs. I like that. The second, get your diocese, each and every one of you, get your diocese up to snuff on what catechesis and the new evangelization looks like, right? So I've been honored, Bob, over the last couple of months to go into a few dioceses and to present to these catechetical task force teams. And what are these task force, force teams? Well, they are a response to what both Benedict XVI and Pope Francis have been asking for. Essentially, identifying all of the problems and then being equipped, if you will, into how to better evangelize and catechize. So, I mean, what, what are we talking about here as it relates to evangelization and catechesis? Well, let, let us go back to Catechesi Tridende, paragraph 25, one of my favorite lines from John Paul II, when he says that the proclamation, evangelization, let me rephrase, evangelization is the ardent proclamation of the gospel. Evangelization is the ardent, I like that word, right? Ardent proclamation of the gospel that overwhelms the person. And in turn, the person wants to entrust themselves to Jesus Christ. That's evangelization in catechesis. It's the ardent proclamation of the truth of Jesus Christ, that he has saved us from our sins. And in turn, once we've been overwhelmed by our Lord, once the Holy Spirit has invaded our hearts, we now want to entrust ourselves entirely to Jesus Christ. Suddenly, we want to know more about Jesus Christ, the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Always mindful that doctrine is not about something, but about someone. So, the evangelization has to take place first. And this is um, what I've... Uh, what I've been presenting on, and then, okay, what does evangelization look like at a parish? Okay, well, first, we have to understand what the encounter is all about. Okay, so maybe a, 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 a parish puts together a retreat, maybe a parish mission, maybe, maybe a Bible study, something that would encourage that first encounter. You know, when I was in Oxford, I, I think about something that I saw uh, when I was going there about three years ago, there was a gentleman who was doing this mime act. And he got on his stool and he was in this, like this gold. He was just plated in gold. It was kind of wild. And he was doing this mime act. And I just watched him and all these kids just flocked to him. And he was amazing in the 100 degree heat in Oxford as all of these people, you know, it was tourist time, right? Bob, what was he wearing? This huge cross of St. Benedict, the Benedictine cross. And what I noticed, and I don't know if he did this intentionally, but all of these kids and adults were asking about that cross. And I thought, that's brilliant, because what are they going to do? They're going to want to know about that cross. Now, he wasn't there explaining about the cross, what the cross of St. Benedict is all about, but there was this encounter. He was evangelizing, because I bet on my bottom dollar, that a lot of people went home to find out what that St. Benedict cross is all about. 
The following week, he was there. And they're talking about that St. Benedict cross. It's, it was extraordinary. So evangelization can take many shapes and many forms, Bob. And, and once you do that, then essentially you come up with ways to uh, strengthen your RCA program, your religious education program. You know, and we have talked about it before on this radio program, the importance of, yes, that art and proclamation, but also the visual aids, incorporating all sorts of visual aids into what you do so that, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit can evangelize the imagination. Um, but this is, what, this is what Pope Benedict XVI, Pope Francis uh, are really after. They want us to better understand what that encounter is about and the ways in which we have that encounter. And then after that encounter, to really strengthen RCA programs because people are going to be ready and willing to entrust themselves to Jesus Christ. Well, and it makes you think of, you know, like the road to Emmaus, you know? I mean, that's right. what did Christ do? I mean, he, uh, he described Scripture. They didn't know that it was Christ that was appearing to them as they were walking along. And their hearts burned for more. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it, that burning for, for more and that the love and the, the joy of the gospel that this document is, is, uh, that it's penned for is, is what Pope Francis is really, really talking about. And you're right, I was the one that was a little bit critical when we were talking about this preparation for this, this program on that, that this particular you know, paragraph, paragraph 69, um, it's hard to disagree with what, what Pope Francis is saying. But you're right, it, this is just an exhortation. It's telling us in our own way. Mm-hmm. You mentioned this mime. And whatever you have at your disposal, everybody's different, and there's different ways of reaching different people. That's right. That's right. There is no blueprint. Yeah, yeah. So to speak. And, and if there is you know, a, a blueprint per se, we have to be open to um, ma- manipulating as we need to according to uh, the dynamics and personality of our parish right. and, and our local communities. It was interesting. This phrase, long-term planning, we have to be okay with it, Bob. Yesterday, I was uh, reading some uh, article after the Brazil and Germany match where Germany just blew them out. And the Brazil, uh, the coach for the Brazilian team was talking about four years from now. Well, this is what we need to do four years from now. And he gave this list of things that he needs to do. Uh, He's in the mindset that it is starting now that is going to get the Brazilian team where they need to be four years from now. And that, that place is not losing seven to one. Right? The most, I think, lopsided match in World Cup history. I've never heard of a match that many points scored, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a touchdown to an extra point, right? Yeah. I mean, so the idea here for Pope Francis is, yeah, I give you the authority, and this is an authority that the, you know Jesus Christ himself gave to the apostles, right? Because the apostles are the first bishops. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Equip them. I mean, Christ set up a teaching program, and what the bishops are doing are essentially called to take this teaching program and to uh, lift the uh, hearts and minds of all souls in their diocese. So it takes time. It takes time, Bob. And I think this is really what, what, a, what he's after. And this is why we have so many books right now being written on the new evangelization and the new evangelization in catechesis. You know, it's, it's an area where I'm spending a lot of time, and it's fascinating to see, Bob, how much is being put out there. I think I've shared before, when I first started researching for my dissertation, 
um, in 2007, 2008, there was one article on the new evangelization. One! Really? One! In 2010, when then Pope Benedict XVI called for a synod on the new evangelization, I think within like two months, there were hundreds of articles. It was extraordinary. And now books just being pumped out from everywhere. It, it is really extraordinary. It's exciting because what people are identifying is the need to put together manuals that would help people in their understanding of how to uh, faithfully live out this call for the new evangelization. And with that, Bob, as we talk about paragraph 69, we do need to be mindful of some of the areas that Pope Francis talks about, um, lest we get too far ahead of ourselves. I mean, it's interesting that he brings together these series of topics together. It really struck me. From machismo, okay, to alcoholism, to domestic violence, to low mass attendance, uh, to fatalistic or superstitious notions which lead to sorcery and the like. You see this a lot in South America. And I think to some degree, what he's putting on paper with his pen is a reflection of his own experience, uh, but one that we need to be present to because all those things that he's talking about are part of the larger cultural challenge that we are up against today. Um, and so collectively... What he's doing is he's touching upon a wide range of sinful behavior and habits because he wants us to see that sin has many different shapes and forms. And then as he put it, popular piety itself can be the starting point for healing and liberation from these deficiencies. It's interesting. He was just saying, Bob, he was just talking about the importance of of prayer and piety, that this gift, uh, this, this gift of piety as so foundational to understanding our vocation, that if we're going to be able to better discern where you know our place in the new evangelization, we need to start with that mono e mono with God. You know, the Saint John Vianney, he looks at me, I look at him, and he looks back at me. And that's where it all needs to start because that's where the healing starts. If we are overwhelmed by a deep wound or many wounds, and our, and our hearts need to be healed, we need to be reconciled with God first before we can, right, uh, serve uh, the mission of the church. So sure. important. Sure, it all starts within ourselves. It really yeah. does. And where we're at with, with God within us. Yeah. We need to be refreshed in Christ and comforted by Christ if we are going to refresh others and comfort others in, in their needs. So, so important. So, with that, Bob, I think that's a wrap. Um, once again, it just seems like our time flies by right. so fast. You know, paragraph 69, uh, there, there's a lot in there, and I think we will pick up with that paragraph when we return along with paragraph 70. Let us close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.